And welcome back, Roster Watch Nation. It's your friendly neighborhood trash man, and this is the garbage grab on behalf of rosterwatch.com, where we have all the fantasy information you will ever need to dominate your leagues for the draft throughout the playoffs. Today we have for you, or I have for you at least, the fantasy fallout going into week six of the NFL season. So let's go ahead and get started with Thursday night's game, the Rams at the Seahawks. Rams lost this from 29 to 30. It may sound crazy, but now might be a good time to trade Todd Gurley. Um, if somebody had said that last season at any point, you would you would check them for rabies <laughs> or some other disease that would uh, affect the mind, maybe syphilis, something like that. He scored twice on Thursday night, but was held to 55 yards on the ground and has had a sub four yards per carry average in all but one game this season. Schedule may have something to do with it, but he doesn't look like the Todd Gurley of old on the field right now. You can still get a lot on return on his name. So that's why I say it might be a good idea to try to trade him. Tight end Gerald Everett started the season slowly, but he's working up the fever pitch right now, going 12 for 180 yards and a touchdown over his last two games. It's hard to tell if this kind of play will stick, but Everett's well worth an add as the preferred tight end on one of the most prolific offenses in the league. On the other side of the ball, I don't know what's gotten into Chris Carson who had 28 touches, 123 yards, and a touchdown, but he's made Rashad Penny an afterthought in Seattle. It seems Penny is a deep league flex at best right now, and probably more of a high-end handcuff, really. On to the next game. Cardinals at Bengals. Cardinals won this one 26-23 in Cincinnati. Keyshawn Johnson was the second most targeted player for the Cardinals on Sunday with seven targets, but he only came away with three receptions for 22 yards. He'll get a Falcons team this week that was just roasted by the Texans' number two receiver, though, so he's an intriguing play if Christian Kirk can't go this week. Auden Tate was second in targets for the Bengals with six and barely came away with a 3-26-1 line in a last-ditch scoring drive. You can flex him again this week against the Ravens, but you might be biting your nails again, hoping he gets some garbage-time action because this team stinks. So so much for Tyler Eifert going off in the Cardinals, who can't otherwise defend against tight ends, it seems. He did tie for third on the team with four targets with Damian Willis, but if you can't depend on Eifert in a matchup like this, you can't depend on, on him at all, really. The Bengals are just abysmal and could go into tank mode soon, so I would depend on as few Bengals as possible right now. It would be Joe Mixon and nothing else really for me at this moment. Maybe A.J. Green when he gets back. We'll see. On to the next game. Jaguars at Panthers. Jaguars won this, well, lost this one 27-34. If D.J. Chark isn't a wide receiver one, he's certainly knocking on the door. He had eight receptions for 164 yards and two touchdowns on Sunday. He's the real deal. And he seems almost matchup proof from what we've seen so far this season as he's scored in virtually every game. He's still unowned in 25% of leagues, which is crazy. 
So one of those leagues is your, yours, you know what to do. D.D. Westbrook went 7 for 82. He's quietly putting up solid PPR numbers on an almost weekly basis. He should be owned in most PPR formats, though touchdowns do seem to elude him. He seems to have caught Julio Jones' <laughs> touchdown allergy that Julio seemed to have, you know, taken some Claritin D4 for the first few games, but the last two at least <laughs> – we see that maybe that allergies come back. Anyways, back to the Panthers. No, Greg Olson isn't injured. He just didn't get involved in Christian McCaffrey's best day of his short career. Maybe the best day of his entire career. You could believe it. I know it hurts to think about playing Olsen after a goose egg like this, but... He does get a Bucks team this week that he went six receptions for 110 yards on earlier this season. Reggie Bonifon sounds like a made-up name, but a lot of athlete names too, I'll have to admit. Five for 80 yards and a touchdown. Broke a monster 59-yard run late in the game in relief of a cramping and hopefully that's all it was, Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey got run into the ground on this one, and it started to show. It might be smart for McCaffrey owners to add Bonifon where they can. He could feast if something happens to run CMC. On to the next game, Falcons at Texans. Falcons got a 50-pointer put up on them. They lost 32-53. to Devontae Freeman and Ido Smith had close to an even split with Freeman only out snapping Smith 41-33 to on Sunday. Neither could get much going on the ground, but both were fairly active in the passing game. If you haven't already traded Freeman, he has a favorable matchup this week to Arizona, but then again, so does Smith. Smith can be flexed this week for that reason. Julio Jones had his second middling game in a row on Sunday, barely gaining more than 40 yards on the day, it's kind of cute that Matt Ryan realizes that he has other options in the passing game, but the Falcons aren't going to win games without getting their stud receiver involved. Jones should get right against Arizona this week in a major way. Muhammad Sanu didn't go over 50 yards as he has in his, well, three of his four previous games this season, but he did score his first touchdown, so he made up for it. He needs to be owned in 12 or more team leagues. On the other side of the ball, Will Fuller, 14 receptions, 217 yards, and three touchdowns cashed out against the Falcons, and hopefully he was in your lineups. This will probably go down as his best game, perhaps in his career as well, but he'll stay heavily involved moving forward as the Texans' offense was firing on all cylinders for what seemed like the first time this season. The Texans get Kansas City this week, so go ahead and get your popcorn ready, folks. Also, for the Texans, receiver Kiki QT went three receptions for 72 yards. He makes up for a solid pickup this week. He makes for a solid pickup this week if Kenny Stills can't go. QT would be an upside play against the Chiefs, and so would Duke Johnson, for that matter. On to the next game, Buccaneers at Saints. Buccaneers lost this one 24-31. to 
Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber had a near-even timeshare on Sunday with Barber coming away with the touchdown, though. I still think Jones is the better back, but Barber's usage is going to keep him from being anything more than a flex on most weeks, it seems. Mike Evans gave us a goose egg this week, and he is famine more than feasted so far this season. If his owners lean on wins, he might be willing to part with him for someone less explosive but more stable like Allen Robinson. And can you drop O.J. Howard yet? Well, if you've been winning with him on your team, then it makes sense to hold on to him. But I'm not wincing at letting him go for a hot pickup right now. He kind of stinks. Jared Cook, on the other hand, has had six targets in back-to-back games. He went six receptions for 42 yards. He might be the kind of guy you could drop Howard for pretty soon. Or right now. Ted Ginn, two receptions, 35 yards, and a touchdown. Came away with the touchdown in this one, as I just said. But he had only two targets on the day. He can be left on waivers, but maybe he's worth a DFS tournament play on occasion. If Jalen Ramsey is still setting this week, Teddy Bridgewater might actually be a decent streamer versus Jacksonville. He's starting to take some chances On this offense, he had 314 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. Pretty good game for for Teddy. On to the next game. Vikings at Giants. Vikings won this one 21-10. I said that Kirk Cousins doesn't show up until about week six, and he's right on time. 306 yards, two touchdowns. I still don't trust him, especially since his performance came against the Giants. But it at least seems that the cries from his disgruntled wide receivers are finally reaching his ears. Cousins did try to get Stephon Diggs involved early, but it just didn't pan out. The Vikings got to an early lead and proceeded to run the game away with Dalvin Cook. His owners, Diggs' owners, are probably close to being fed up at this point. So maybe a few trade offers should be sent their way. Alexander Madison Backup running back would be an instant running back one running back one if Dalvin Cook were to go down. And as much as they use him, he just might. Um, regarding his history as well. If you got an extra bench spot, Madison should be on it. Along with Reggie Bonifon. <laughs> Wayne Galman's days as the man in New York are over or likely over at least. He was concussed on Sunday, ceding his duties to Jonathan Hilleman. Even if Galman is cleared for this week, Saquon Barkley is probably going to return, or stands a good chance to return at least. It's a precarious situation all around. Hilleman should be added, but Galman should probably be owned in case Barkley re-injures himself from coming back too soon. Because it seems like he's coming back about four weeks sooner than they initially planned. But maybe he's Superman. Cam certainly isn't anymore. Golden Tate returned this week with a whimper. Three receptions for 13 yards. He was third in targets with six behind Sterling Shepard and Ingram. But his chemistry with Jones was definitely a miss. I was more excited about Darius Slayton, who went four for 62 and a touchdown. He's shaping up as the Giants' number one deep threat. And Daniel Jones has an arm. With Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram questionable, 
before the Thursday night game. Shepard with a concussion, Ingram with a knee injury. Both Tate and Slayton should be owned and perhaps flexed, even against the Pats. On to the next game. Bears at Raiders in London. Bears lost this one 21-24. Favorite son, favorite son of roster watch nation, Anthony Miller, went 4 for 52. He blipped on the radar in London, making a circus catch, a 32-yarder in the process that reminded us just why we love him so much. He's not worth picking up just yet, but he needs to be on our watch list once again. Tariq Cohen still isn't showing up much on the fantasy radar, but Chase Daniel does seem to like him. Cohen had six catches on the day for 39 yards in addition to 10 yards on the ground. On the other side of the ball, Josh Jacobs had his best game of the seasons against, against, in the season against the Bears, no less. And hopefully the Raiders see this win as an indicator that feeding their rookie more than 20 times is the way to victory. Two of the three wins, he touched the ball more than 20 times. He has a bye this week, so owners with losing records might be willing to field offers if you make a good one. Tight end Foster Moreau, 4 for 46, made some flashy catches behind Darren Waller. And I would be scared for Waller's opportunities going forward, but he was in on over 75% of snaps, so I'm not too worried about it. On to the next game, Jets at Eagles. Jets lost this one in spectacular fashion, 6-31. to Or pretty unspectacular fashion, if you, if you think about it, as most Jets games seem to be in recent history. Demarius Thomas, four receptions for 47 yards, had nine targets on Sunday, tying Le'Veon Bell for the team lead. Even though his targets came at the hands of Luke Falk, who may not be the quarterback come the next game, at least hopefully he won't be, he's still worth a speculative ad in most formats. On the other side of the ball, the Eagles didn't do too much offensively in this one, but they didn't really have to with the way their defense was playing. Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard continue to eat into each other's carries, but Howard gets the goal line snap, so he wins right now. Deshaun Jackson is reportedly 50-50 to play next week. Snatch him up if he's out on waivers in your league. On to the next game, Ravens at Steelers. Ravens won this one 26-23 in Pittsburgh. Marquise Brown injured his ankle in the first quarter on Sunday, and Willie Sneed picked up where he left off. Sneed came away with five receptions for 51 yards. If Brown can't go this week, Sneed would be the immediate beneficiary. Steelers quarterbacks keep falling. It seems this time Mason Rudolph, who took a scary sandwich hit, they ran in him unconscious. It seemed like the, um, the defender's helmet just hit him right on the button. He's not necessarily out this week, but it looks like undrafted free agent Devlin Hodges is likely to make the start. Hodges filled in admirably for Rudolph Sunday, going 7 for 9 for 68 yards in a close game, actually. So, all is not lost for Steelers wide receivers this week, though the Chargers do have a decent secondary. Deontay Johnson, speaking of Steelers wide receivers, didn't show up in fantasy, really, but he did lead the Steelers in targets with eight, so hold on to him. Jalen Samuels, on the other hand, virtually disappeared this week 
after his breakout in week four. Six touches for 12 yards. I don't know if I would drop him just yet as he may be implemented as some sort of safety blanket for Hodges. But his inconsistency just won't work in fantasy right now. On to the next game, Bills at Titans. Bills won this one 14-7. Very little to say about this game. Not much notable happened on offense for either team in this one. But Duke Johnson, who led the CFL in receiving last year, went 4 for 29 yards and scored a touchdown. More importantly, he only played two fewer snaps than John Brown on the day. So he's worth a look in dynasty leagues and in deeper formats. On to the next game. Patriots at Redskins. Patriots won this one 33-7. Philip Dorsett injured his hamstring early in Sunday's game and he never returned. His injury is supposedly not too serious, but he may miss a game. Jacoby Myers would fill in in three wide sets in that case. The game is on 39. Um, Thursday night, so there's a good chance that Dorsett won't be ready for it. Brandon Bolden made a rare appearance on Fantasy Radars on Sunday. Six touches for 42 yards and a touchdown. Should Rex Burkhead sit again, he could get considerable garbage time action against the Giants this week if the Patriots get up to a big lead, which they probably will. On the other side of the ball, the Redskins dumped Jay Gruden Monday morning, so the offense is up in the air right now. The only certainty, as far as I'm concerned, is Terry McLaurin. I'm not touching anyone else who dons a Redskins uniform right now in fantasy. On to the next game, Broncos at Chargers. Broncos won this one 20-13. Don't get spooked by Emmanuel Sanders' one reception for nine-yard game. I told you on the radio show on Sunday that it wasn't going to be pretty for him. He's notoriously stymied by the Chargers, and the Broncos ran the ball with a good lead. Cortland Sutton, who went four for 92 yards and a touchdown, is still unowned in 25% of leagues, and that just should not be the case. He's averaging eight targets a game. On the other side of the ball, Melvin Gordon had 12 carries to Austin Eckler's three, but Eckler had 16 targets to Gordon's six. This offense can sustain both of these running backs. So hopefully you didn't get rid of Eckler when you got the news that Melvin Gordon was returning. On to the next game. Packers at Cowboys. Packers won this one 34-24. It was the Aaron Jones show. They found a working formula. The Packers, and they ran with it, literally. Marquez Valdez-Scantling shrunk away on Sunday afternoon, receiving extra attention from the Cowboys secondary as the Packers' number one receiver. With Devontae Adams out, he faces the Lions this week in what should be an easier matchup, but if he's being like treated like the number one again by the defense, it could be another long day for him. Geronimo Allison was second in targets behind Jones with six. He only went two for 28, though. He makes a reasonable flex this week just because of those targets and because Marquez Valdez-Scantling can't seem to handle the pressure. We'll see. On the other side of the ball, Michael Gallup had 14 targets, 7 receptions, 113 yards, and a touchdown. He had the same number of targets as Amari Cooper, who had 226 yards and a touchdown. Gallup dropped to sub-70% ownership levels in his time away, so go get him if you can. 
On to the next game, Colts at Chiefs. Colts won this one, 19-13 in Kansas City, no less. The Colts played keep away with the Chiefs most of the night as they nursed an early lead, so nobody got much action outside of Marlon Mack, who had 32 touches for 148 yards. On the other side of the ball, Sammy Watkins went down with a hamstring injury Sunday night, and Byron Pringle did his best impression in his place. I love Pringle as a prospect coming into the league, so I hope this gets him more playing time. Unfortunately for him, Tyreek Hill is soon to return, so Pringle may be out of luck even if Watkins misses time. He's worth adding this week, though, just in case. And Daryl Williams was nowhere to be seen Sunday, and Shady McCoy didn't fare much better. Two touches for 23 yards. Shady won't be this bad on most days, but Damian Williams looks like the lead back now that he's healthy. It also didn't help that McCoy fumbled early in the game. Daryl Williams looks like he can be dropped at this juncture in time. And then we had the Monday night game. Cleveland at 49ers. Not much ado for the Browns on offense. Nick Chubb had his usual good game. Odell Beckham, another stinker for him. I can't imagine it's going to be like this all season. But if you want him, his value is at, probably at its lowest point. It will be this season. And again, I may say that again next week if he has another stinker. But I feel like if you need some upside, if you need a change of pace on your team, go after ODB and get him. Because I can't imagine he'll be this bad <laughs> for the rest of the season. Anyways, that's about it for me. Oh, one more thing for the Cleveland game. Ricky Sills-Jones, who went off last week, failed to catch his lone target on Monday night. So I guess last week is a fluke because the game before that, he stunk up the place too. You can drop him if you need to for a hot pickup this week. Anyways, that's it for the fallout this week. I'm the Trash Man once again on behalf of RosterWatch.com. Until next time, be ready. <laughs>